Well, that's our first reference, John chapter 3 and verse 5, and then we'll go to Acts 2.38, and from there to Luke 4. I'm going to be on the board above you if you want to keep up with us. There are two kinds of family. There's the blood and there's the water. Those whom, with whom you share a, a, a common DNA. Uh, those who are, uh, and then those who, as Louis Lemoore says, that you uh, ride the river with through life. When we read about Peter in the New Testament, we find he also had blood kin. And he had a faith family called the church. The congregation of those who are born again by the waters of baptism, the gift of God's Holy Spirit. As Jesus taught in John chapter 3 and verse 5, he said, unless a man is born again of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And Peter preached in Acts 2 and verse 38, to repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. His connection to each life. His connection to each congregation forged within him a desire to ride the river with the people whom Jesus redeemed and called his own. And as he writes later in his life in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, Peter desires a, a strong fellowship and leadership that protects those ties that bind us. He says in 1 Peter 3 and verse 8, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart. And an humble mind. I want to look at those two groups of people if I could. Peter's blood family and, and Peter's faith family. His church family. Because I think there are things that we need to look at in both of them. First of all, let's talk about Peter's blood family. Peter teaches us three things about our own families. And things that we could take home today and actually put to good use around the dinner table, if you will. Or throughout the coming days. In Luke chapter 4, verses 38 and 39... We read, and he arose, Jesus, and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. Now, in Peter's time, it was customary to welcome in-laws into the home. It is a time-honored tradition dating back to Ruth and Naomi in the Old Testament. And it was celebrated each year during the Feast of Pentecost which is when Peter preached his first gospel sermon. The New Testament church is taught to care for all family members. If you look in places like 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, Paul writes, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The family lesson here is compassion. Peter appeals. It's a word that means a request because of the special relationship involved with the person to whom you're appealing and on behalf of someone that you're connected to very closely. Peter is petitioning heaven itself on behalf of his mother-in-law. It's sweet and powerful. A reminder to seek care for all of our family members. And those of you who take care of family members, it is compassion that we know you for. The second one is to have a mother-in-law implies having a wife. And we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 5, Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles, and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Peter then teaches about marriage and a husband and wife. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, he writes, 
Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Peter teaches us, he says, there to live with, okay, to live with our spouses. It's a word that expresses all of the intimacy and the old English word uh, to know. When to know emotionally, completely, spiritually, and physically. It's how Adam and Eve knew each other in the garden. Especially when it says, and Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain. The family lesson here is companionship. When we show honor or to know someone as our wife or husband, then we give someone the respect for their value. And I'm convinced that Peter wins the respect of heaven and of his mother-in-law when he treasures this connection with his wife and partnership with her. And I believe we will as well in our marriage relationships. When we see our marriage as companionship, partnership, if you will. The third thing that we want to learn from Peter's family is conversion. One of the oldest friends Peter had was with his brother, Andrew. They studied together as boys. They fished together in business. They worked together. And when Andrew came to find him one day with news about the Messiah... We read in John chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Andrew brings Peter to Jesus. The word brought there is a word picture. It communicates that Andrew was eager. He was excited because he had found the Messiah. And he literally tugs his brother to Jesus. He takes him almost by the lapels, if you will, and just grabs him and takes him to Jesus. From that point on, they follow together as brothers. They serve together. They preach together and they die for the Christ who has won their hearts and has saved their souls. The family lesson here is conversion. Our banner for the year on, on our calendar says one goal, one soul. Wouldn't that be great? If all of us thought of someone, could pray for someone, that hopefully we could share the gospel with, that they would be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, that they would put Jesus on in baptism, that they would be a part of our faith family here. Obviously, sharing eternity with those we love is such a blessing. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says, By faith Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. I say, let's do everything we can to make a safe place where our family can be saved, knowing that the judgment of God is coming. And I say that this is that place for us. Let's make it a place where people know the truth and the truth sets them free. Let's make this a place where people feel connected to the fellowship and we share faith together as we prepare for eternity. Now, we've talked a little bit about Peter's earthly family. And earthly families are important. In fact, if I were to ask you what your priorities are in life, most people list family probably number one or number two. Now, they'll tell you a lot of things, but 
That's important because when crisis comes, when tragedy happens, I can guarantee you if you got a text right now from a family member in trouble, you would get up and leave and go take care of them. All right? So if we're going to do that, let's go ahead and do the other as well. Let's make sure our family knows the gospel. Let's make sure that not only are they taken care of now, but that the Lord is taking care of them in eternity as well. Let's talk a little bit about Peter's church family. As important to him as his blood family, Peter encouraged, challenged, and grew in his church family. Let's look at snapshots from three different churches. Join me in Acts chapter 6. This will be the church in Jerusalem where Peter starts out. Okay? And it says in Acts chapter 6 and verse 1, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Church is made up of people. Different people with different needs. People that from time to time, it says, the NIV says, get overlooked. Or as the New American says, they are neglected. This leads to complaining, to grumble, and to murmur. And that happens. That happens. It happens in a family. Some people don't like the temperature of the thermostat. Some people don't like what's for supper. You know, it happens. And we deal with that. And so we deal with that at church as well. It happens because needs are being overlooked, often unintentionally. I don't know that anybody intentionally overlooked the widows there. But it was happening, and it needed to be addressed. So here's the, the, the first lesson I want us to learn about Peter's faith family. To address the issue of neglect, the church family must continue to connect. We have to stay connected. One of the things I love about this past week Okay, the beauty of the snow was, was great. You know I mean? The on and off electricity wasn't. You know, you have your pros and cons. You know I mean? But the thing is, is that we stayed connected. We rode the river together. We called each other. Okay? We helped each other when needed. And if we didn't do that, we didn't do it intentionally. So let's help each other. So let's learn the lessons that we learned this time and, and move forward and do better the next time. That's the whole point. Notice the leadership in Acts chapter 6 addresses the issue before the whole church. It appoints godly men to solve the problem and commits themselves as leadership to keeping the church focused on the spiritual privileges that we have in Jesus Christ. Prayer and God's holy word. So you get both things. You get the connection spiritually and physically. And that's part of church family. Let's look at another church in Caesarea. Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. The church is made up of opinions, because we all have them. And many hold those opinions very strongly. Opinions that sometimes challenge leadership or the fellowship. Opinions that criticize, as we read here in the text, 
A word that means literally to, to separate, cause doubt, hesitation, or to waver in commitment. It's normal. It's not pleasant, but it happens. The maturity of Peter is seen in that phrase in 11 and verse 4. He began and explained it to them. He made it plain what he discovered, in other words. I think the lesson here is the church family, if we're going to accept each other, we have to respect each other. If we wanted to accept each other, we have to respect each other. The opinion group that criticized was willing to give hearing to Peter's actions, and Peter was willing to walk them through what he had come to learn. The important thing here is that God's will be done, which I believe was at the heart of both groups. They wanted God's will to be done, and I think that's the overriding priority. Look at the result in Acts 11, verses 17 and 18. After Peter does all this and explains it to them, they say, if then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way, Peter says. And then it says in verse 18, when they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Are we going to have different opinions? Yes. Can we work through those? Absolutely. Do we need to divide? No. We are family. And church families respect each other and hear each other out and want God's will to be done. Amen? Let's go to Antioch. Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Well, that was an awkward moment for the church. Here's the fellow that delivered the first gospel sermon. He goes to Antioch and Paul stands up and opposes him. The church is a family and sometimes there are some tough love moments where behavior is confronted because it's not in step with the truth of the gospel. Chapter 2 and verse 14. Peter is wrong. 2 and verse 12. And it's leading others astray. Chapter 2 and verse 13 tells us. The word used here is oppose, where Paul says, I stood my ground to protect the integrity of the gospel. Sometimes the best of us get out of step, setting up a conflict, affecting the unity and the peace of the church. The goal, the goal is to act and to speak in such a way that Christ is honored. The fellowship is restored and the truth is proclaimed. The church family lesson here is that when you're wrong, admit it. When you oppose wrong, do it for the purpose of reuniting everyone, even the one who's wrong. It doesn't any good, doesn't do any good if we push them away, because that's like pushing the family member away from the table. We do it so that we can all be together. First Peter two and verse twelve says it this way. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. I see two major themes at work in Peter's families, if you will. First of all, I see hope. Hope for our earthly families. Hope for our earthly families to have the best of heaven moving through life's journey in vibrant, affirming relationships where the goal is to share God's heaven together. I can't guarantee you happiness. I can't guarantee you health. But one thing I want to guarantee you, we can share faith so that someday we can share heaven together. The second lesson I see is forgiveness. 
forgiveness for and toward each other in our church family. People get neglected, they complain, and the church must respond. People have strong opinions and need to give and take respect while the will of God is learned. People get out of step with the gospel and loving confrontation is not a to win a point, but to show the world the integrity of reuniting in the shadow of the cross. I think Peter says it best when he sums up all of this family business in one word. Love. First Peter chapter four and verse eight says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. I want your family to go to heaven. I want our church family to be a place where people feel welcome. That we can prepare for heaven. We're going to work through a lot of things together. We can't do that until we're all family in Jesus. Today his invitation is if you need to respond to the gospel. To be baptized or to, uh, to repent of sin as a Christian. If you need prayer in some way. Would you come to the front and make your need known as together we stand and as we sing. Oh.